welcome. This is Parenting for the Everyday. I'm Becca Alvarez. And I'm Holly Dyke Andrew. We are two moms currently down in the trenches of parenthood. We want to create a community of support and encouragement as we set out to find the answers to the parenting questions that everyone is asking. Today's topic is traveling with kids. And we have two traveling gurus with us, Holly Dyke Andrew and Rachel Marks. Holly, we know you. We love you. Rachel, tell us about yourself and your family. My name is Rachel, and I've been married to my husband, Nathan, for 15 years. We have two daughters, ages 6 and 10, and I homeschool them. Um, And my husband and I have been to 47 states together since we've been married, and our goal is to get our whole family to all 50 states. That is amazing. I know. I want to (laughs) go. That is so great. So the 47 that you have been to, were those kidless or— um, includes kidless and okay. kid with trips. Okay. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, real fast, Holly, tell us about your background of traveling. Yeah. Um, my family grew up, I grew up traveling, uh, so going to different things, uh, different places. I didn't realize uh, kind of my love for travel until after I was married. Um, my husband and I started traveling more together before we had kids, and we were in a season of infertility, of loss, um, and just realizing uh, how travel pointed us to God um, and towards each other. And so in that season, we both were like, hey, we want this to be a heartbeat of our home, where seeing God's creation uh, points us to Him and to each other. And so since then, I can't get enough. Why is traveling so important to you both? There's this Booker T. Washington quote that I read last year, and I wrote it down, and I just stumbled across it last week again, and it's kind of perfect for answering this question because he says that to be broad-minded people, which should be the goal of all of us, that we need to read good books and we need to travel, and the reason to do that is so that we can understand more of the human condition, so that we can grow our compassion and that we can serve each other people better. Um, So... um, you have your kids in your home with you for 18 years, and so you can begin to take them on that journey toward serving others better and serving God well. And so we can start to live less selfishly and less self-focused by knowing what is out there in the great big world that God made. Yeah. I also want to make this, uh, I want to make the difference between traveling and vacationing. So for the sake of the conversation, uh, Rachel and I are really referring to intentional time spent learning and growing together outside of our home. And that's kind of where we use that term traveling. Um, I'm not thinking of being on a beach with my feet up with an umbrella in my drink. That's not kind of what we're talking about here. Um, There's a quote that David Platt says that it says, our goal in parenting is not ultimately for our kids to get a great education or to be great athletes or to find great spouses or to get a great career. Our goal is for them to love a great God. And I'm just a firm believer that anything you do can point to the greatness and the faithfulness and the depths of God. Um, But there is something incredible about seeing different pieces and parts of Him displayed uh, throughout creation, through people, through places um, that just enhance that. And so we look at travel as an investment, uh, that the dividends will pay tenfold as our children grow and develop through the experiences that we provide them. It's a very cool distinction of between traveling and vacation and something that I've never heard of. Do you guys still take vacations or in this season of life with kids? Is it strictly we're traveling? We're traveling for experience. I mean, if I use the word vacation today, it's in air quotes because, I mean, you might call it that just because everyone calls it that. But, I mean, I look at more 
of it more as a trip or an adventure. Not, it's not a break. Okay. It's not, yeah, for maybe not for the purpose of relaxing because we do end up on the beach and I do end up with an umbrella <laughs> and a drink in my hand. Uh, there are times when you, we do that on pieces of our trips, but then there's a lot behind of, okay, we also want to go see, uh, we want to interact with the people here and the culture here and we want to see the animals that we can only find in this place. So I think it's just a blend. Um, I just think it's important uh, as we clear up some of the mis, uh, I don't know, misconceived notions about it that we're not talking about just this restful party time. Yeah, I, th- mm-hmm. I think that's great. What is your favorite thing about traveling? Uh, my favorite thing uh, is just the way that it connects my family to God. Uh, when we stand at the edge of the Grand Canyon and we're just in awe of creation, you know, I can look at them and I can say, hey, the same hands that made this, put those freckles on your face. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just love that I get to expose them to the different wonders um, of the natural world. But then also just, hey, do you see how these people are created differently and they look different and they eat differently? Um, you know, that's all intentional and those are the fingerprints of our of our God. And so just the way that it connects um, us to Him and then because we experience that together, it connects us together as well. And my favorite thing is probably, well, we travel in a way that generally might not be super appealing to the vast majority of people because we tent camp, we drive all day, we set up our tent, and then the next morning we have to take it down and drive all day. Um, So my favorite thing is just that it boils life down to just the very essentials, that everything in that car, my three best friends, we have shelter, we have food, and if our house went up in smoke while we were gone, everything would be okay because the most important things are just in that car with us and nothing else really matters. Is there intention in traveling in that manner? Um, yes, both budget-wise and we just, like, there's no way to really immerse yourself in a place so much as camping because when you wake up in the morning and you're smelling crisp mountain air right outside your tent— um, it just helps you really be where you are and experience God's creation where you are. You guys are making this sound so fabulous and something <laughs> that I should have started with my family yesterday. However, there are some really difficult things about traveling, especially when you're traveling with kids. What is the hardest thing? Yeah, I th- I'll answer this one because uh, I, I think I've grown a lot in this area too, but it's expectations. So if I show up somewhere with high expectations that my kids are going to be perfectly well-behaved, they're not going to whine, they're not going to argue with each other, they're not going to get bored when I'm giving them a history lesson, and they're going to like all the food I put in front of them and not ask to go to McDonald's, I'm going to be severely disappointed because that is not life. Um, And so I think if we expect our kids and our family to act and operate differently on a trip than we do at home, we're going to be disappointed. And so that can be a hard expectation to man manage when you've planned something and you've invested in it um, and it doesn't go the way you think. Even if it's something like, hey, we planned and we went here and then we all got the stomach bug and we didn't get to see what we wanted to see, that can feel like the hardest part. So just managing the expectations um, that it is still going to be challenging parts and that you can still get sick on vacation. You can still, um, you know, all the things that can happen at home can still happen. What helped you grow in that area? 
uh, I think doing it. And I think being able to visually see the benefits outweigh what would feel negative. And it'd be really easy to get stuck and just say like, well, we went and we couldn't even leave the tent because we were throwing up or we couldn't leave our hotel and then not be able to sit and say, okay, but what did we do? What did we get to see for the time we were there? What did we learn about when we're sick and we don't have everything we need? What did we grow and how do we make those decisions? And so just being able to see uh, the goodness and look for the goodness and cultivate the goodness instead of focusing on the hard. Mm-hmm. I think another really difficult thing about traveling is just the sheer cost of it. And I don't mean just the cost of getting to your destination, but the cost of food when you're not in your home or in your town and activities and special things. So how do you how do you guys manage that? Um, well, practically, camping is very economical. So um, we can be gone for... 14 to 16 days and pay $200 max for our lodging for the whole trip. So that's like two nights in a hotel maybe. So that is the way that we really get far and get where you want to go. So if your budget is limited, you still can you still can see what you want to see and go far. Um, we I like to take a little bit of money out of our um, out of the bank every week and I collect it in envelopes so that and then we pay for the whole trip with cash while we're on it so that everything is set in an envelope with the category of gas or food or entertainment. And so then there's never this big chunk missing from our savings account or a big credit card bill. And um, we cook all of our own food on trips. We, um, I mean, you have to have a, you have a grocery bill at home and you have a grocery bill when you're away. And if you are intentional and not eating out very much, then you can save a lot of money that way. We also, um, we try to usually do one paid entertainment thing per trip because so much entertainment can be free, like hiking is free, sitting around the campfire is free, um, and then we usually try to find creeks or lakes for our kids to splash around in, and that's all free. Yeah. I think we prioritize what's important to us. And so if you want to buy a new fancy car, um, maybe even nicer than what you need, you're going to save for it. Um, And so I think that applies here. So like Rachel's saying, like we budget monthly for travel, just like we budget for our utilities. So there's money coming out of our budget and whether or not we use it that month or we're putting it away. Um, We also... uh, are really intentional with the way we use our credit cards. So we use it like a debit card, but we only earn points for travel. So that means I don't have a Target red card. I don't have a Kohl's card because I want all the points to be in one place so that I can uh, translate them into airline airline miles so that I can travel. Um, we're strategic when and where we travel. So I know Rachel and I, we both like to go off season. So um, we don't want to go somewhere in the middle of spring break maybe um, so that we can get some cheaper prices. And if you are planning ahead, you can look for coupons. You can look for Groupons. You can see if you buy things online instead of at the box office, it's cheaper. And then just echoing what uh, Rachel said about food, we don't eat out a ton on vacation. Uh, We usually have an Airbnb. And so our grocery bill stays the same. So what I cook at home, I'm cooking on vacation with the exception of we usually like to have, uh, if we're in a new country, like a meal specific to that country. So we can taste like the culture and and things of that nature. Um, But I just want to echo that it's not about how much you have. It's about intentionally using what you have well. So if you have $2,000 for a vacation, you can plan it one way. If you have $200, you're going to do it differently, but you can still be intentional with the money that you've been given uh, to steward it well. Rachel, you talked about um, the way that you guys travel is mostly driving and camping. 
What is the furthest that you have driven with your kids? This is good. Oh, the furthest. Um, probably, well, this summer coming up, it might be a new record. We're going to Utah this summer. Um, but probably New Mexico so far. But you went to Wyoming. So, that wasn't farther? Yeah, I think New Mexico is the farthest. I okay. mean, that trip, I think it was maybe 5,000 miles round trip, maybe. Yeah. How many days would that take you with kids? Um, probably 14, 15 days. Okay. So you go, you, I'm surmising, you make it an experience to get there, even yes. to get to the, to the destination. Yes. Tell me about that experience. If we just use New Mexico trip. Um, well, we usually um, find places along the way to stop to set up the, the tent. And it's, I mean, the beginning of the trip and the end is usually like a hard push to get out there past Indiana <laughs> um, and then to come home. But um, but we, ha- I mean, being in the car is fun too. Like if you, if you change your perspective from this is going to be like, I'm going to listen to my audiobook and just relax and, and then have like a posture of service for your family. Like it's harder for kids to be in the car all day than it is for grownups. But we have so much fun in the car because we talk and we sing and we play games together. And I've put on stuffed animal puppet shows for hours <laughs> when kids needed it, which is obviously not like my ideal. But if if the kids need that, you know, so the whole experience, I mean, the whole trip is an experience of us being together and having fun. And, and sometimes we stop and um, see something along the way. But usually if we have a destination that's far, we really have a few like 10 to 12 hour driving days at the beginning. For either one of you, what is a trip that sticks out in your mind that you had to do a grand pivot in because things weren't going the way that you thought that they would go and you had to kind of remix it to make the experience still still there? Well, we had a trip a couple years ago to Oklahoma and we were going to surprise the girls and stay um, in a teepee for three nights. And so the night before we were going to arrive at this wonderful experience for them, the state park emailed us and said that a water main flooded and the whole place is closed. So we just, I think that's just a great time to just have a learning teachable moment to just be like, we're not going to freak out. Like we're going to have a family meeting and it's disappointing that we can't do what we intended to do, but let's throw out ideas of what we can discover. Let's look at a map. And then we ended up finding great state park that we had never heard of before that was beautiful. And we just went there instead and had a great time. And um, there's, uh, I think you mentioned earlier about what you do when your kids' expectations don't meet yours. But if you go into it with, um, like, my expectations are that things are going to go wrong. And so not to be negative, but just to be realistic that things go wrong in life and you're still living your life on vacation. So something's going to go wrong. So if you're just ready for anything and just know that you're going to have to serve your family, things are going to go wrong, but we're all together. We're a team. We're going to roll with the punches. It's going to be an adventure. And sometimes when things go wrong, you remember that trip even more. And it's a funny memory later. Yeah. 
I think one that sticks out kind of off the top of my head is, so my baby brother got married uh, out in LA in August. And so we thought, well, we have to fly out to LA. Let's uh, utilize that plane ticket. And so we rented a car and we drove from California and we did, we drove to Utah and through Arizona. And so we did uh, Sedona and we did Zion and Bryce Canyon and the Grand Canyon and, and kind of that loop there. And um, it was August and I didn't anticipate the heat. And my daughter just could not handle the heat. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, you know, I'm like, come on. Tough it out. We're never going to see this again. You know? And she was like two and a half. And she just couldn't handle the heat. And she would melt down. And she was that would super be dehydrated. Yeah. And she just was crying and struggling and lethargic. And just and so all the things we had planned were these outdoor, you know, hikes. And so that was uh, felt hard in the moment. But we had to pivot and think, okay, we need to, we can't, we need to go in the morning. And we need to go in the evening. So let's find new things to do in the afternoon. Can we go play in the creek? Can we go play in the water where it uh, feels cooler? Um, we need to figure out a way to pack more water than we thought we do. You know, how do we get? ice packs and just different things to to work around that. But at first that could have felt like our whole trip is ruined. She can't be outside for more than, you know, 15 minutes before she looks like she's bright red and melting. <laughs> um, but we just had to pivot and figure out how she could enjoy it too in a different way. I think one of the things that holds me back from traveling with a toddler or infant when he was an infant um, is just what to do in on the way, like in the travel, whether that is a plane ride or a car ride, and you talked a little bit about that, but do you guys have practical tips of what to do with your kids in particular difficult stages? Uh, yeah, so I um, <laughs> I think everything can be solved with snacks. So I almost <laughs> every situation someone asks me for parenting advice, I'm like, but did you have enough snacks? <laughs> um, so I think uh, fun snacks, uh, different snacks that they don't normally have, even if they're packaged differently. So, you know, they this was like big on Pinterest, but it was like this idea of you took like a box that had all these compartments. And so you just got a little bit of each. But when you open it, it's like, ooh, look at all these choices. There's a gummy bear and there's, you know, rice cereal and different things. Um, I know Rachel and I have talked about this too. Uh, she and I are pretty intentional. Anytime we see something that um, could be good for traveling, we go ahead and grab it and we tuck it away. So it might be a new book. It might be a new activity. Uh, there's like silly things like um, there's reusable stickers that you can stick on airplane windows and just different things. Like there's tons of things that have just new. I've actually just saw someone recently who just uh, took a Kleenex box and they just let their kids pull Kleenex <laughs> out because little toddlers love to pull out Kleenex and then to stuff them back in. And that occupied for a long time. So I think just getting creative. Um, I'm not opposed to using screens. So I'm not opposed to when you're traveling and you've got this long thing of saying like, hey, okay, you can go ahead and watch a movie here. You don't normally get to do that. Here's a great time to to get to do that here. So I think just being uh, intentional also back to the managing of your expectations to know like, hey, if you're on an airplane or you're in a car and someone is crying, like it's okay. That doesn't mean the whole trip is ruined. Even though all the people on the airplane, this has happened to me. They're giving you dirty looks and you, you get there and you're, you you want to cry because you're like, that was so rough. But then you're like, I'm here and I made it and we're just going to start over. And so um, just doing it. Yeah. And that toddler phase, I think is the hardest of the whole, the whole growing up years. But um, yeah, I save like special little surprises like sticker books and water painting kits and silly putty and, you know, M&Ms and, and then just space it out throughout the drive. Like after two hours, well, here's another. Um, and um, as I said before, just knowing that you're going to have to serve your kids in a way that maybe isn't the 
the most fun thing for you in that moment. But I mean, we've listened to Yankee Doodle 67 times on repeat because that was how we could serve our two-year-old at that time. And I mean, it wasn't fun for us by the 54th time, but that's what kept her happy in that moment. And then, so we were all happy. Um, and we kind of try to to travel like it's the 1980s. And so I've recorded lots of books on on my phone and we listened to picture, some of their favorite picture books um, that we can play over my phone and um, and talk and and naps and and as Holly said, snacks are always good. I'd also like to echo that it does get easier each time you do it. So I feel like each time you do it, you're like, I know what could have made this better. Mm-hmm. Next time, I'm going to bring you know this blanket or the melatonin, <laughs> or <laughs> you know, next time I'm going to bring this. I'm going to do that, and I, I do feel like each time you kind of learn, you get a notch on your belt, and you do it better the next time. Uh, and the more your kids travel, the easier it becomes because they all of a sudden know how to entertain themselves for long car rides because they've had to do it. Where I think if they never are exposed to that and then you're like, we're driving 63 hours, of course it's going to be hard. But if you start with, we're driving two hours. Okay, next time we're going to go four hours and you start to increase their their, uh, capability, their capacity, then I think it flows better. Rachel, something that I love that you have used in your vocabulary this whole episode is just service, serving your family, serving your two-year-old. And I just think that's such a beautiful perspective to have, something that I will adopt even just in my everyday living and then especially on trips. So I just wanted to say how beautiful I think that is. You guys are talking about pretty lengthy trips at different times. How do you balance that around work schedules or school schedules? Um, How do you coordinate all of that? Well, you probably get to be the most flexible, mm-hmm. so you could speak into that first. Yeah, well, we homeschool, so okay. we can go whenever, which is actually really handy for being in the off-season to get better prices and get availability at campsites. Um, and then my husband pretty much saves up all of his um, time off just for trips, so he like hardly ever takes time off unless we're heading to New Mexico. So um, homeschooling gives some extra flexibility. But yeah. you don't have to be a remote worker, to be able to travel. No, no. My husband isn't. No, no and neither neither one of us are either. I'm going to say something that's going to be a, a hot topic, and <laughs> we'll see what happens. <laughs> um, I don't have any problem pulling my kids out of school to travel. So I do it all the time, and I do it regularly, uh, just because I think the value of what they are learning is just as important as them being behind a desk. And so um, I have when my child – uh, was in public school. They're not now, but they were at a time in public school. And uh, I did get a letter saying, hey, like my kids have missed so much school. Um, and so great. And I am not threatened by that to say like, hey, here's why. Here's what we learned on this. Here's mm-hmm. here's the value. Here's also like here are their grades in school. So they have not fallen behind. They are not um, uh, struggling in that way. Uh, but even if they are, uh, I still think there's value in saying like, Hey, time together as a family is maybe sometimes more important. So I'm not, (laughs) please don't hear me as saying like, you don't need to go to school. The laws don't matter. I just think that you can miss a week of school a year for a trip and then utilizing your breaks really well. So now that everybody is in school full time, we do utilize our spring breaks and our fall breaks and our Christmas and summer breaks. We try to use them well. I think you explained that well, too, as far as, like, the expectation is also that the grades are good, and we're not necessarily falling behind, even though there could be slips here and there after a trip. Um, but it's not throwing education out, out, the, out window, the window that there's still importance and emphasis on your trips. Like, I've seen the social media of your trips, and you make a point to go to educational places and yeah. learn lessons and all of that, which I think is a good distinction. 
What about the fact that kids won't remember trips when they're little? Well, <laughs> we're laughing because we feel so we feel really passionate about this yeah, question. We're gonna so. hold it back a little bit. But, um, you know, I've never even considered that because that's like then you can take anything you've done for right. your child and say, well, they don't remember all the times I ran to their room when they woke up with a bad dream screaming. So that doesn't matter. Or all the hours you spent reading to them on with them on your lap. So I've never really thought about that because we don't place value on what we're going to do based on if they're going to remember it or not. We're doing things purposely with the intention to love them well and so that um, – so that they that shapes their character, you know, and it know they grow up knowing my mom loves me, and maybe I can't remember why, but I know she loves me. Um, so that's not something I've I've considered because and on our trips, they're doing things that are developing their character. And when my daughter was three, she hiked nine miles up and down a mountain in Grand Teton National Park, and she didn't whine and she didn't get carried once. And I, she probably doesn't remember that, but that has definitely gone into who she is, who she's becoming as a person. Um, and there's absolutely been value in her doing that, but even if she doesn't remember. Yeah, I, I always am like, this question drives me crazy. Um, no, they're not going to remember all of the details. Um, but just to echo what Rachel said, it does shape who they are or who they're becoming. Um, you know, even to the hiking, we also hike a lot. And um, one of my twins has a really hard time. Uh, he had a hard time with it. And so I can't tell you many times. I'm like, we can do hard things. We're just going to take one step at a time. And so just the other day, he was in the room, and I heard him say, like, I can do hard things. You know, mm-hmm. and some of that comes from that notion of, like, we've lived this out. Um, a lot of traveling is waiting. You know, we wait for flights, we wait in lines, uh, we drive long distance. And so I believe my children have grown in the capacity to wait. They wait really well when we go places. Um, They learn to be patient. And so I don't know that the details that they won't remember are as important as the parts that are going to shape them as they see the world and experience the different parts of it. Do you have to travel far for it to count? Absolutely not. No way. Um, I think going for a local hike to the park, local farmer's market, I think anything can be done with intentionality. And I think that's really what we're talking about is just the intentionality to broaden uh, your child's knowledge and understanding of the world around them is really, I think, what Rachel and I feel pretty passionate about. Um, And that doesn't have to be done overseas. It can be done in the the city next door. Yeah, because... The reason you travel is to expand your children's world. And if you can't go far, you can read them good books. You can volunteer together. You can go out in your front yard and observe butterflies or plant a garden. Like all of those things are going to make us stand in awe of our creator, expand their horizons, broaden their their perspectives. Tell me about your favorite trip and why. Can you Um, pick just one? So well, every, hard. I mean, it's like the most recent one. I mean, they're, they're all wonderful. Um, probably the best one, though, is the trip we took in the summer of 2020 when all of our trips were canceled and the future was so uncertain and then mandates were coming. And um, so our camping reservations were canceled. And so we just were like, let's see what's open and let's just point our car west and just see where they'll let us in. And so we had, there were some crazy things that happened on that trip and we didn't really know where we were going. And But it was just like nothing will match that euphoria we felt when we were just all together heading west on the open road. Open the road. 
Yeah, if I had to pick, I probably would say my my most favorite trip we've ever taken was we took a trip to Bali. Uh, my parents were living in Singapore, and so we just utilized the fact that we had gone out to visit them and jumping over to Bali from Singapore is like jumping, you know, from here to Chicago. So it was really easy and inexpensive. And so Bali was just like un- unlike any place I'd ever seen. Uh, the culture, uh, the religion, the food, the environment, the animals, it just was unlike anything. And so uh, I just – the all of those experiences felt new. And uh, so for me, that's that was definitely one of the most memorable ones. As we wrap up, what do you want your kids to take from these trips and travel experience? Uh, I really want my kids to just expand their minds and their hearts. Uh, I want them to be someone who is more likely to befriend someone who looks different than them, um, to take a risk when they don't know what the outcome is, uh, to feel confident to solve whatever problem they face. Uh, that's one thing we didn't get too deep into, but you know, when things go wrong and you problem solve them together, your kids learn those skills to, hey, okay, this isn't what I planned. How do I pivot? And so as the world grows bigger, so does their confidence in the one who made it. And so the more you see what God's hands have done, the more you learn to trust those hands. And so I just want them to to just know the world is so big uh, because the bigger the world is, the bigger they can dream, and then the bigger their love and their faith can grow. Mm. Uh, Well, this is certainly not why we began traveling, but in the last three years as we've seen how crazy the world is and how quickly things can get even crazier, it's been on my mind that we need to as we're raising Christian kids, that we need to get them used to the idea of suffering. And because in our American middle-class world, it's so easy to get things delivered to you and to live beyond your means. Um, And I think there's ways that you can make your children get used to being uncomfortable at home, but living in the wilderness for a few weeks every year is just good practice in being uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And like sleeping in 25 degrees and you wake up and there's snow outside, knowing that if you want to be warm and eat, you're going to have to gather firewood and build a fire and cook your food over it. Um, And that's obviously a drop in the bucket compared to um, how Christians are already being persecuted all around the world. But someday we know that it's going to happen even in America that Christians are going to suffer. So um, that's just something that I I want my kids to be comfortable being uncomfortable and so that, I mean, it's going to be incomparable, but at least there's some experience of discomfort and suffering. So, um, and then the other thing is that I just want them to know that their parents love them and want to be with them and we don't want to travel without them and just to to enjoy God's beautiful creation that he made for us to enjoy and that points us back to him in worship. Last thing real quick, because if I don't ask this, I think my mom would actually kill me. Rachel, what are the last three states that you have to get to? Well, I have actually been to all okay. 50 states because my this, this goal my husband and I have is not original. This was the goal my parents had for us. So uh, we went to all 50 states as a family. But by the time we had gotten to the 50th, which which was Alaska, I had acquired a husband by that point. Okay. So he came with us. So my husband has been— by the end of this summer, I think he'll only need to go to Hawaii and Nevada. Okay. So, and then the girls have been to I think thirty six states, maybe. If you're going so. to Utah, you just you got to make it to Nevada. You got to like, you know, that's what I. That that's little. what I. Every trip, I'm like, but if we just went four more hours, and my husband is like, whoa, whoa, <laughs> settle down because it's like thirty six hours to home. So, Holly, no. <laughs> I'm like, come on, you can do it. There's, I know. The competitiveness in me is like, ah, I know. 
love well, it. you too. Thank you so much for sharing your time and just your wisdom in this episode. I have gathered so much, and you guys are such an inspiration. Um, thank you for the dedication you have to your families and the sacrifice that has gone into every single trip, more than you could even talk about today. So thank you for joining us, and I'm sure our entire audience learned so much. Thanks thank for, you. Yeah, thanks for being willing to listen to, to what's in our hearts. Yeah.